Chapter fourteen of Brenda, Her School, and Her Club. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brenda, Her School, and Her Club by Helen Leah Reed. Chapter fourteen The Football Game. At last the wished-for Saturday arrived. It was one of those clear, bracing days that always put everyone in good humor. Though cool, it was not too cool for the comfort of the girls and older women who were to sit for two or three hours in the open air. Every car running to Cambridge carried a double load, with men and boys crowding the platform in dangerous fashion. Carriages of every description were rushing over the long bridge between Boston and the University City, and not only were red and orange flags to be seen waving on every side, small flags that could be easily folded up, but occasionally some group of youths would break out into college cry. Edith and her guests drove out to Cambridge in carriages, although they all thought that the cars would have been much more amusing. Edith, however, had had to yield to her mother's wishes, for Mrs. Blair had a strong objection to street-cars, and Edith was forbidden to ride in any except those of the blue line in Marlborough Street. But if less entertaining, the carriage ride was probably more comfortable than a journey by car would have been on that day of excitement. Edith and Julia and Ruth and Nora rode in one carriage, while Brenda, Belle, Frances, Pounder, and Mrs. Blair were in the other. As Frances was a distant cousin of Edith's, her mother usually included her in her invitations, although in general disposition the two girls were very unlike. Belle and Frances were more congenial, and had the same habit of talking superciliously about other people. Brenda and Frances were sometimes on very good terms, and sometimes they hardly spoke to each other for weeks, for Frances had an irritating habit of stepping on people's feelings, as Nora said, whether with intent or from sheer carelessness, no one felt exactly sure. She was the least companionable of all the girls of their acquaintance, but on account of her relationship to Edith, she often had to be with them when the four, or rather three of the four, would have preferred some other girl. When the carriages with Edith and her party reached Cambridge, they drew up before Memorial Hall, as Mrs. Blair had arranged with Philip. We thought, she said, that it would be both easier and pleasanter to give the carriages here and walk to the field, and the girls agreed with her. They felt more grown up walking along with their escorts than if seated in the carriage under the eye of Mrs. Blair. Philip, of course, was on the spot to meet them, and one of his friends was with him. "'I couldn't get any more fellows,' he said, in an aside to his mother, "'to promise to sit with us. "'They'd rather be off by themselves with the rest of the men. "'It really is more fun, you know.' "'Hush!' whispered his mother, "'fearing lest some of her friends might hear this rather ungallant speech. "'Oh, of course I don't mind it much,' he continued, "'in answer to his mother's look of reproach. "'I'm willing to please Edith this once, "'but I wouldn't want to have to look after a lot of girls very often.' "'Then he turned around to let himself be presented to. "'Ruth, whom he had not met before, "'and Mrs. Blair introduced his friend Will Harden to all the others, "'except, of course, Edith, who knew him. 
Belle looked a little disturbed when she saw that there were to be but two students to escort them, and she forgot for the time being that girls of less than sixteen can hardly expect to be considered young ladies by college undergraduates, who at the sophomore stage of existence are more inclined to the society of women a few years their senior. Belle knew, however, that she had the manners of an older person, and she kept herself fairly well informed on college matters, that is, on their lighter aspect, and could talk of the sports and of the dicky with greater ease than many girls of eighteen or twenty. Therefore, as she walked along beside Will Harden, her tongue rushed on at a great rate, bewildering the youth so that he had hardly a word to reply. Brenda, walking on Will's other side, listened in admiration to Belle's fluency. Try her best, Brenda never could have imitated it herself, but it was one secret of Belle's influence over her, this ability to talk and act like a real young lady instead of a schoolgirl. Philip attached himself to Ruth, and Julia, Edith, and Nora walked together, and Mrs. Blair and Frances Pounder brought up the rear. "'Just where I can keep my eye on you,' Mrs. Blair had said laughingly to them as they started. Julia was the only one of the group who had never been on the field, or even in Cambridge before. She was astonished when she reached the field to see the great crowd of spectators. It was a scene that she had never imagined. Tier above tier at one side were the benches filled with men and women, with bright flags fluttering, or rather little banners and handkerchiefs all eagerly looking toward the center. Then there was the great throng of students massed by themselves, and the crowds of older men all intent on the coming game. What cheers as the rival elevens came upon the field! For an instant the volume of sound seemed almost as strong for Princeton as for Harvard. From the very first moment when Princeton lined up for the kick-off, Julia's eyes eagerly followed the ball. At the beginning, Princeton seemed to lead, but when Harvard gained ten yards on two rushes by her full-back, and her left half-back had the ball on Princeton's thirty-yard line, the crimson scarfs fluttered very prettily. "'Say, isn't that a fine play for Roth?' cried Philip, as the Harvard full-back tore through Princeton center for four yards, planting the ball on the thirty-yard line. And then, a little later, after some good play on both sides, he yelled wildly as he saw that Princeton was really driven to the last ditch, with Harvard only one yard to gain. Both made the try, and scored a touchdown in exactly fifteen minutes' play.' Then, when Hall, on the Harvard side, a great stalwart fellow, brought the ball out, and held it for Hutton to kick on the try for goal, even Frances Pounder lost her air of indifference, and as the ball struck the goal post and bounded back, she watched to see whether this was a time for applause, and finally condescended to clap her hands. The score now stood Harvard four, Princeton zero, and Philip and Will, excusing themselves for a few minutes, leaped down to talk matters over with their classmates standing below at the end of the benches. As the game continued, Roth distinguished himself still further. He scored another touchdown for Harvard, from which a goal was kicked, making the score ten to zero. "'It's almost too one-sided,' said Julia, "'and I can't exactly understand it, "'for the Princeton men seem to be playing well, "'and really, if you look at them, "'they are larger than most of the Harvard players. "'That ought to count in a game like this.' 
"'Well, the game isn't over yet, "'and there may be some surprises before it's through. "'But just here Philip and his friend returned, "'and when Bell asked what the other men thought "'of the Princeton prospects, "'Oh, they haven't a leg to stand on,' said Philip. "'At least that's what everyone says, "'and as you can see for yourself now, "'they can't hold out against our men.' "'I'm thankful for one thing,' said Mrs. Blair, leaning towards her son. "'There haven't been any serious accidents yet, "'although I am always expecting something dreadful to happen.' "'Hardly had she spoken, when two or three ladies in the neighborhood screamed. "'Princeton had just secured the ball, "'when one of her men, who had fallen with half a dozen others on top of him, "'seemed unable to rise. "'He had, in fact, to be carried from the field.' and though the girls afterward learned that he had only broken his collar-bone like so many other spectators for the time being they were decidedly alarmed at his condition after this princeton had a little better luck harvard tried for a goal from the thirty-five yard line but missed then the ball was princeton's on her twenty-five yard line and after several rushes with small gains the ball was passed back to princeton's full-back for a kick the ball went high in the air, and the Princeton's end got down the field in beautiful shape. A Harvard halfback muffled the ball, and it was Princeton's on Harvard's twenty-yard line. Just here, Bell, emboldened by the turn of events, managed to take a large orange and black scarf from her pocket. As yet, she had not dared to wave it, though, if you stopped to think, had she been truly sympathetic, she ought to have had courage to show her colors even when her chosen side was losing ground. Now, in spite of the improvement in Princeton's play, the score had not changed, though Princeton had the ball on Harvard's ten-yard line when two minutes later the first half ended. In the second half of the game there was more excitement than in the first. Roth, who had been the hero of the afternoon in Harvard's eyes, was carried off, and two or three Princeton men were disabled. Harvard, contrary to what had been expected, was apparently playing the fiercer game. The yell of the Harvard sympathizers grew louder and louder. In two downs, Princeton had gained four yards. Then, when the ball was passed to Densmore, the noted Princeton halfback, Douglas, the popular Harvard quarterback, tore through the center and down Densmore with a loss of five yards, making it Harvard's ball on Princeton's 22-yard line. The wildest hurrahing, a perfect pandemonium, now arose from the Harvard bleachers, for the crimson was within striking distance of a touchdown, and the orange had begun to droop. The girls in Edith's party, even those not wholly familiar with the game in its finer points, were thoroughly worked up. Some of the rough play worried Edith, and she buried her face in her hands with a shudder when Jefferson, the Harvard center, was carried from the field apparently senseless. "'Don't be a goose, Edith,' whispered Nora. "'You know that it can't be anything very dreadful, or they wouldn't go on playing.' "'Oh, yes, they would,' murmured Edith. "'They'd do anything in a football game. "'They haven't a bit of feeling.' "'But she lifted her head and was repaid "'by seeing Hutton kick a goal from the field, "'thus sending the score up to fifteen. "'This especially pleased her, "'because Hutton's little sister, "'who had a high opinion of her brother's prowess, "'was a great pet of hers. "'Don't you feel much as the Roman women "'used to feel at the Colosseum games?' "'Julia contrived to say to Ruth in one of the intervals of play. 
"'It's almost as savage a sport as some of those gladiator affairs,' replied Ruth. "'But I don't believe that the gladiators were more uncivilized-looking than these players. "'Did you ever see such hair?' "'The next moment the girls were all attention, "'for although the Harvard score never went beyond that fifteen, "'the game was an absorbing one for the followers of both colors.' Princeton's battering ram proved effective more than once, and everyone could see that in the matter of strength her men were ahead of the Harvard team. But in activity, Harvard was undeniably the superior, and at last, when the game was called, the score still stood sixteen to zero in favor of the Crimson. Then, what a scene! Men almost fell on one another's necks in their delight. The team was surrounded by a dense throng, and the rah-rah-rah was fairly deafening. The friends of the vanquished hurried away from the field, and only a few of the younger and more enthusiastic lingered about in little knots to argue the situation, and prophecy of victory for their own men at the next intercollegiate match. "'Oh, don't let's go off right away,' cried Brenda, as she saw Edith turning in the direction of the exit from the field. "'No, we might as well wait until Philip comes back. He and Will couldn't resist going over there on the field to talk things over with some of their friends,' said Mrs. Blair, "'and I told them that I felt sure that you would excuse them.' "'Why, of course,' added Julia, and Ruth followed with a polite, "'Yes, indeed,' but Belle, looking a little discontented, said nothing.' "'What is the good,' she was saying to herself, "'of having two young men in your party, if they never stay with you, "'when so many of the other girls are at the game with only their fathers or elderly relatives?' "'If she had thought carefully, she would have realized that the two boys had really sacrificed "'not a little fun to act as escorts to a parcel of girls, as some of their student friends put it.' Really, they had been very polite. They had hardly laughed at the mistakes made by the girls in the use of terms during the game, and they had been more than willing to explain the fine points of the play. When they were with the girls, it was not Belle whom they thought the most about, but on Philip's part it was Julia, and on Will's, Ruth, with her bright face and vivacious manner. "'Did you see, Papa?' cried Nora. He was tossing his hat in the air like a boy. I tried to make him look at us, but he would not do so. I suppose it was harder for him to recognize us than for me to distinguish him. No, I didn't see your father, replied Edith, but I did see your brother Clifford. He, however, never looked our way for a second. He had his hat on the back of his head, and he and two or three other men seemed beside themselves. "'Oh, yes, I suppose he and his friends are dreadfully pleased. "'You know that Jefferson is a great friend of theirs.' "'But he was hurt.' "'Oh, that's nothing. "'As long as he wasn't killed, it's all the more glory for him. "'He and Clifford are roommates, and they are devoted to each other.' "'Then, as the crowds from the benches swept past the girls, "'they saw many friends and acquaintances, "'and Belle's injured pride was salved by the return of Philip and Will, "'just as the two or three girls whom she especially disliked "'walked past escorted only by an uncle. 
How pleasant the walk back to the square through the college grounds was, with a few minutes in Philip's room, not long enough for the cup of tea which he wished to offer, but long enough to make them all enthusiastic to accept his invitation to come out to Cambridge some other afternoon and examine his trophies. Really, there seemed to be few ornaments on the walls that were not connected in some way with college sports. Flags, medals, certificates of membership in this society or that, photographs of the crew, of the teams, but some time you may hear more about the room, and so I will leave my description of it until then. To Julia, the whole day had been more than delightful. She enjoyed every moment of it, and she began to feel so at home with Edith's friends that not even Belle could rival her in quickness of repartee. Frances Pounder looked at her in astonishment when some of her own little snubbing remarks fell one side without any effect. Ruth Roberts, too, proved herself a great acquisition to the party, especially at the dinner at Edith's for Mrs. Blair gave an elaborate dinner to the group that had attended the game, increased by the addition of two friends of Philip's, and even if, as the worldly-wise Francis Pounder suggested, the whole affair had been arranged to prevent Philip and his friends from joining the boisterous crowd of students in their Cambridge celebration of the victory, Philip certainly had occasion to congratulate himself on possessing a mother who could take so much trouble for her children." So Brenda ate raw oysters, and Belle entertained Will Harden with an account of her last visit to New York, and Nora endeavored to eat and talk at the same time, and Edith smiled placidly on her friends while trying to remove the sting from some of Frances Pounder's sharp remarks, and Julia forgot her shyness, and Ruth Roberts impressed Mrs. Blair as a particularly intelligent girl, and all the boys, as well as the girls, said that they had never had a pleasanter afternoon. So who can say that the game had not proved itself a great success in more ways than one? End of chapter 14